When I first became your pastor in 1980, very young man, 23 years old, I was a tither, but I was what I would call an ignorant tither. I tithed because after I got born again, my grandfather taught me, David, you need to tithe, you need to sow offerings to the Lord, and I did that because that's what my grandpa told me that I needed to do, but I really didn't understand much about it. When I became your pastor, 23 years old, in those days we were all very poor, we had nothing. And I remember humbling myself and just kneeling every Monday morning. I'd get down on this little old white couch that was all torn up in the office. And I would get down and kneel and I'd say, God, how do I help our people? How do, how do I help the people? How, how, do I, how do I bring the people out of a place where they have no food? Because in those days, my goodness, when we'd visit the families, you know, every house was dark because nobody had money to pay Moralco if Moralco was working. And you didn't, there was no food in the house. Kids were eating maybe once a day. In those days, it was hard. And I began to dig into the scriptures that, God, you, you just have to teach us. So for 39 years, we've taught you tithing. Everybody say, tithing and sowing seed. So I make no apology when I say I am a prosperity preacher. I'm not a poverty preacher. We've been poor. We understand poverty. But I would tell you I get embarrassed by people today that take beautiful truths of the scripture and twist them into how to extort money from people and how to exploit money from people. And it's not about seeing the people come up in prosperity. It's about the preacher getting more money. Now, God's been good to us. And I know there's a lot of ugly things that go on out there in the world. And I say that because some of you are here today, and when you hear tithing, you think, oh, that's some preacher trying to get my money. And you have a lot of attitudes that begin to manifest. Now, I can answer honest questions from the Scripture, but I cannot answer your attitudes. I cannot open your mind. That's something God has to do. I cannot open your heart. That's something you have to do. But let's ask God to help us open our minds today, open our hearts today, and let's begin to understand what tithing is all about. Now, each year I approach this a little differently. We've talked in the past that, that have an open heaven, we need to have a heart of obedience, a heart of humility, and a heart of faithful tithing. Malachi 3.10, some of God's last words to the people of Israel before he went silent for 400 years. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until there is no more need. Everybody say, until there is no more need. Now, God has looked at us and said, put me to the test. You have financial needs. You have financial problems. He said, put me to the test. You just return the tithe that belongs to me. You just enter into this covenant relationship where, where you recognize that the tithe belongs to me and you return that tithe to me. And God said, thereby put me to the test. You want to see if I'm real? You want to see if this is all real? He said, you, you do this. You, you put me to the test. You bring the full tithe into the storehouse and thereby put me to the test. And God said, I will start a flow of blessing to your life until there is no more need. Everybody say, a flow of blessing. Say it again. Now, tithing is one of the most spoken against doctrines in the church world today. 
probably because it's so much about revival, though we'll just touch on that a little bit today. Probably because the principle of the tithe is where man walked away from God, Adam and Eve, and where God here in Malachi 3 calls us to return to God. Return to me and I will return to you, he says. Well, how shall we return to you? Will a man rob God? Well, how have we robbed you? In tithe and offerings. Now, one of the great truths of revival is the principle of the tithe. There are many Christians, they, they can sit in a beautiful revival service and the Holy Ghost is touching people all around and they sit there falling but though, like they've got a, a spiritual umbrella over their head and, and nothing touches them. And you look at them and you go, please, would you just open your heart and open your life to God? But it's more than that. They love money more than they love God. They have put money before God. Jesus was very clear. You're going to love one and disdain or think small and think little about the other one. They put a little bit of money ahead of their respect for God. Tithing is not a business principle. Tithing is a relationship principle. It's a what kind of a principle? Now, I'm going to get into that a little bit more today, but last night in the service, I taught you about the blessings of the tither. You can go download it off, of, off the website and listen to it. I go through all the different blessings that God promises to the tither. But today, I want to teach you a little bit of the theology of the tithe. I want to teach you about the cycle of tithing and how it reveals its purpose as God's financial provision plan for the work of God. And I want to teach you the methodology of tithing. Everybody say, the progression of a revelation. Now sometimes people say, well, you know, tithing is just not all in one place. Well, no, neither is the doctrines of salvation. If you will think with me, the whole concept of Jesus as the Messiah began with the promised seed in the book of Genesis. And then slowly through the Old Testament, this whole revelation of the suffering Messiah and the suffering servant and, and burying our wounds and burying our punishments upon the cross, all of that revelation slowly begins to unfold. In the same way, tithing is a progressive revelation. It starts as a small principle and then God develops it. Everybody say, it's developed. It's what? Tithing begins in man's relationship with God. It began in the garden. In Genesis 2, beginning with verse 15, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So they had to work on every tree in the garden. Everybody say, take care of all the trees. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day you eat of it you shall surely die. God put one tree in the garden and said, Adam... You can enjoy everything else here. The gold, there's beautiful gold right over there. There's black onyx over there. You can make some bling for your wife. God told Adam where all the beautiful stuff was, said everything is yours. However, there's one thing that's mine. Everybody say, one thing belongs to God. That's all God said. It was a symbol of submission to his authority. Everybody say, a symbol of submission to God's authority. Now that's what the principle of the tithe is. It's a relationship principle. It's a symbol of our submission to the authority of God in our life. Now when Satan began to bring the temptation, 
there's only one thing to go after, and that's that symbol of submission to God's authority. So in Genesis 2, beginning with verse 16, God said, don't eat of the tree. Satan came along in chapter 3, verse 4, and said, but the servant said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, in the temptation, Satan came along and said, God's holding you back. You need this. This is how people talk about the tithe today. Pastor Summerall, I need that. Pastor Summerall, I can't get by without that. Pastor Summerall, I need that money. No, you don't. You need to show a submissive heart to God, and God will meet all of your needs. I didn't hear you. But Satan made Eve feel like God was holding something back. God did not want what was best for her. Now, go on to Genesis 3, verse 3. But God said, You shall not eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, the Hebrew word here for touch does not mean to take care of something, to groom it, to be like a farmer with it. The Hebrew word literally means to seize, take possession, or control of. So from the very beginning, God told Adam and Eve, I've given you everything. Enjoy it all. But this one thing, this one tree, I don't want you to take possession. I don't want you to take control of it. That's mine. Everybody say, that's mine. Now, every year I use the same illustration with you. Please allow me to use the same illustration again. Let us say that I was an extremely wealthy man, and I owned a one-hectare lot in Forbes Park, and I had a 2,000-square-meter house and three swimming pools and a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a Maserati, a Bugatti, a Rolls-Royce, a Bentley. And I brought you over to the house and said, I'm going to be gone for about three months. Would you like to live in my house while I'm gone? What would you say? Okay, you can drive all the cars. Enjoy yourself. You can swim in all the swimming pools. There's 21 bedrooms. You can sleep in whichever one you want. I have this giant walk-in freezer with steaks from all over the world. Eat whatever you want. I have this beautiful refrigerator over here that is only filled with the finest sushi from Tokyo every week. Everything is yours. Enjoy yourself. I'll see you in about three months. Ha, but wait a minute. Downstairs in my office, there's a little tiny old refrigerator underneath my desk. And in that refrigerator, there's a can of Coke Zero. Please, don't touch my Coke Zero. As soon as I left, where would you go? Not the Bugatti. Not the Ferrari. Not which is the biggest bedroom. What would you head for? I gotta see this one thing he tells me not to touch. It's something in the human heart called rebellion. Called what? Called what? Now, th this is what Eve messed around with. She, she, well, I gotta have the one thing that God said belonged to him. The one thing God said 
That's mine. Please don't take possession of it. Please don't take control of that. That belongs to me. Now this is where the whole concept of the tithe begins. It begins as a symbol of our submission to God's authority in our life with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the principle of the tithe develops more. We find in Adam, excuse me, not in Adam, in Abraham. We find Abraham coming to Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. After this, after his return from the defeat of Shedolamar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shabbat, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem. Who is Melchizedek? Jesus. Everybody say, the pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus before his birth in the flesh. You can see that in Hebrews chapter 7. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, ancient Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine, the symbols of salvation, communion before the cross. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Everybody say, a tithe of everything. So this whole concept of 10% did not begin with Moses in the law. The whole concept of the tithe being 10% begins with Abraham. Everybody say, Abraham. Again, it's a relationship principle. He's a friend of God. Melchizedek, the pre-incarnate Christ, comes out of the ancient city of Jerusalem, brings to him the symbols of salvation prior to the cross, he responds to these symbols of salvation by bringing to him the tithe. Jacob develops the revelation more. Genesis 28, beginning with verse 20, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in his way that I go and give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come to my father's house in peace, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a full tenth to you. Everybody say, a full tithe. So Jacob said, God, no longer are you going to be the God of my grandfather and the God of my father. From this day forward, you're going to be my God. And two things about my relationship with my God. This is going to be the place where I worship, and I will give you the full tithe of all that you bless me with. Now, then we begin the law. Everybody say, now the law. So we find all this developed pre-law. Everybody say, pre-law. Moses taught tithing to God's people under the law. Leviticus 27, verse 30, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 12, verse 6, there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithe, and the contribution that you present. Deuteronomy 12, verse 11, Then to the place the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you to bring, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and the contributions that you present. Deuteronomy 14, 22, You shall tithe of all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. Numbers 18, 24, For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they shall present as a contribution to the Lord. So the Old Testament, under the law, taught tithing, now the Old Testament prophets continue the revelation. Now, under the prophets, tithing is seen as a part or as a fruit of revival. Everybody say, a fruit? Ulitanathan, a fruit of revival. 
Just like in Malachi, return to me and I will return to you. Well, that didn't begin with Malachi. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 12, they faithfully brought in the contributions, the tithe. This was after revival. Nehemiah, the great revival of Nehemiah. Chapter 10, verses 37 to 38, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all of our towns where we labor. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. Nehemiah 13, verse 12, and all Judah brought the tithe. Then Malachi, we've already read, calls the people to return to God with the tithe. They say, well, all that's fine, Pastor, but all that's Old Testament. Now, number one, you know, never say that to me. I do not divide up the personality and the character of God between an Old Testament and a New Testament and thereby dismiss everything that's written. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. God is the same God. You find just as much grace and mercy and forgiveness, and they were saved by faith from Abraham on just like we are today. Everybody say, same God. But Jesus also taught tithing. Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. You tithe in mint, dill, and cumin. Those are the littlest seeds. And you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done. Everybody say, ought to have done. So in other words, you should tithe. Everybody say, you should tithe without neglecting the others. He says that again in Luke 11, verse 42. These you ought to have done. You, you should have done your tithing without neglecting the others, without neglecting justice, mercy, and the love of God. Now, let me throw one more verse at you. Paul teaches us that Jesus, Melchizedek, the high priest, still receives, because Jesus is our high priest, he's always been the true high priest, still receives the tithe. Hebrews chapter 7, beginning with verse 8, NIV. In one case, the tithe is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who was declared to be living. Who collects the tithe? Jesus, the one who is declared to be living. Everybody say, bring the tithe to Jesus. Now, we're going to get more into that later. Everybody say, Introduction. Everybody say introduction. Now, let me begin to teach you about the cycle of tithing and how it reveals the purpose. Now, let me start by saying this. For many years, when Brother Avanzini would come over and he'd talk to me, he'd say, David, I don't understand American churches. He said, COP is a church. You function like a church. In America, the churches function like a Christian business. And I really didn't understand it because I don't go to America anymore. And I really didn't understand what he was talking about and what he was trying to share to me. But, but slowly as I've talked with people and I've read articles and I've seen some of the conferences that they do over here, I'm beginning to understand it. Just like I taught you that leadership in the church is not like leadership in the world. You cannot take a model of leadership from the world and put it on the church. You do not lead in church like corporate structure. You don't lead in church like military structure. You don't lead in church like political structure. The leadership style of church is different. It's family. 
It's what? Paul said, Timothy, you treat the older men like fathers. You treat the younger men like brothers. You treat the older women like mothers. You treat the younger women like, like sisters. Now, he was writing that to Pastor Timothy. He said, Timothy, the leadership style of the church is not corporate. It's not military. It's not political. It's family. It's what? Now, in the same way, the financial provision model of the church is not the same as the world. Everybody say, financial provision model. Say it again, please. What you're going to see as we go through this is that the way that God provides for the work of the ministry is that he takes the tithe that belongs to him and uses it to support the ministry, and then he gives seed to the sower. Everybody say, seed to the sower, and that is used to do the work of the ministry. Now, those are the only two ways we find the work of God being done from Old Testament to New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation. The tithe that belongs to God, God gives to the leadership to take care of all the pastoral staff, the secretaries, the janitors, all of what would be called the work of the Levites, everything that is necessary to do the work of the church. All the people are taken care of by the tithe. And then buildings and everything are done by the seed God gives us to sow. Everybody say, the seed God gives to sow. So bottom line, the entire source of provision, the model of financial provision for God's work is God. Is who? Everybody say, the model of financial provision is God. Who is, who is the source? Now, in modern churches... They take God out, and it's become a business. Marketing, selling. If you want to get water baptized, that'll be 1,000 pesos. If you want to go to this seminar, that'll be 2,500 pesos. You want to do this concert, well, you can sit in the high seats, that'll be 500. The medium seats, that'll be 1,000. The, the ground floor, 1,500. Front row, that'll be 3,000. It's all about business and making money. Now, to be very honest, I've got a business background. I understand that. My first degree is accounting finance. From a business perspective, from a financial perspective, there are many preachers that have figured out that you can make more money with a sales and income-generating model than you can by trusting God. Everybody say, income generation. For instance, with NeverClaim, if we had never claimed here in this auditorium 8,000 seats, we sell the tickets 2,000 pesos a seat, three nights, so we've got uh, 16 million a night times three nights, there's 48 million. Will never happen with me as the pastor. Freely we have received, freely give. See, the problem is when you, you take the financial provision model and you make it a business model about charging people for things. and You don't need to tithe. Just give what you want to give, but we're going to charge you for everything we do. If you want us to come to a funeral, we're going to charge you. You want a wedding, we're going to charge you. Depending on what level of pastor you get, this is how much it costs. You want Pastor Samuel, it's one million. Be Rulang. But you don't need to tithe because they figured out with their marketing and sales program 
they can make more money. But God is not trying to teach us how to make more money. God wants to get money to God's people, not from God's people. So his provision model is he'll bless the work of your hands. You return to him the tithe. He'll give you seed to sow, and you sow it, and you're blessed. Everybody say provision model. Now, with that in mind, are you, did you get what I just said? This is why sometimes you see me get really, really irritated and frustrated and discouraged and every other negative emotion you can mention about all this business that's happening in the name of God. Christianity is not about making money. Christianity is about getting people saved. I didn't hear you. Now, you can't say I'm not a prosperity preacher. I've taught you how to prosper from the Scriptures for 39 years of my life. But it is not about business. It's about bringing the people of God out of poverty into prosperity. And that doesn't happen by charging people. That happens by teaching people, watching God bless the work of their hands, watching God. How many of you have ever asked God to give you seed to sow? Would you raise your hand? Did God give you seed to sow? And then did God give you a harvest? Point made. Now, with that in mind, the purpose of the tithe. The tithe is given by God to those who are serving full-time. Now, the tithe belongs to the Lord. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. Everybody said the tithe, ulitanathan, the tithe belongs to God. Now, he says in Numbers 18, verse 21, to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for their inheritance in return for the service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. You do not give your tithe to me. Any pastor who says, give me your tithes, is wrong. You bring the tithe to God. Jesus, the high priest, receives your tithe. Everybody say, bring my tithe to God. The tithe belongs to God. Now, God says, I will take that tithe and I distribute it among those who are full-time serving my people. So you don't bring it to the pastor. Now, the pastors and the people who are serving full-time, we are not to have sidelines. Everybody say, no sidelines. Numbers 18, verse 24. To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for their inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of the meeting, so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting lest they bear their sins and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of the meeting, and they shall bear the iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and among the people of Israel, for they shall have no inheritance. They had no property given to them. They had no land. Everybody say, no farms. This is an agricultural society. No farms, no flocks. The priests did not have that. They served full time. Everybody say, they served full time. So God says, all right. The tithe belongs to me. Now I'm going to take what belongs to me and use it to provide spiritual leadership for my people. Nehemiah chapter 12 verse 44. On that day men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather them into the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. 
when pastors and church leaders give themselves full time to the work of the ministry, the people rejoice to bring the tithe. Everybody say, rejoice. Now, I will tell you that in 1980, when I became your pastor, our people were not tithers. Leadership was supported by foreign missionaries. Leadership was involved in taking money from the people. Every time they went to the hospital, they would collect 100 pesos. In those days, 100 pesos was a lot of money. But they were not the people, and, and the leadership didn't work very hard. Nobody was visiting. You know, it just, it was a mess. But as I began to teach a new pastoral staff, we visit. Everybody say, we visit. Our average pastor visits 200 members every week. When I first became your pastor, people looked at me and said, what do you pastors do all week? All you do is work on Sunday. You know, nobody has said that to us for many, many decades because they figured out at COP our staff work very hard serving the people. I didn't hear you. Now, it's very easy. Our, our people are very happy to pay the tithe when the pastors and the support staff are very involved in serving. Now, let's get involved with the methodology now. This was the purpose. The purposes of the tithe is to make sure that there's plenty of spiritual leadership to take care of you. We have over 80 full-time pastors at COP, I think 88 now, full-time pastors at COP, and they spend their life serving you. But now the methodology. People always say, well, how do you tithe? Well, let's make it really simple. First of all, we tithe after an accounting. Everybody say, after an accounting. Leviticus 27, verse 32. And every tithe of the herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that passes under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. Now, the staff passing under the staff was counting. When they would bring the sheep or the goats into the pen, one, two, three. Everybody say, an accounting. Say, an accounting. Now, 10% of the increase, 10% of the profit belongs to God. Every time we receive a paycheck, every time we close books at the end of the month of our family business, every time we sell a piece of property, every time we receive inheritance, when there is an increase, we figure out what is the increase. Everybody say, what is the increase? Now, you, you don't tithe on the whole amount. You only tithe on the increase. It's like a man came to me years ago and he brought me a check for a million pesos. He said, Pastor, this is my tithe. I sold my house. Now, I've been in that house. I visited his house. I said, how much did you sell your house for? Ten million. My tithe is one million. I said, how long have you owned that house? He said, oh, three or four years. I said, how much did you pay for the house? He told me. I said, how much interest did it cost you to, to pay the interest these years on the house? He told me. I said, so now you need to go back, and, and I took the check and tore it in half. I said, you need to go back and figure up what is your increase. Everybody say, what's the increase? Say it again. You take the house. This is what you paid for it. This is how much money you spent repairing it and getting it ready. This is how much interest that you have paid and financial charges you have paid. This is your profit. Everybody say the increase. God does not ask you for 10% of everything. He only asks you for 10% of the increase. Everybody say, the increase. 
I, I didn't hear you, please. Everybody say, 10% of his blessing. Say it again. Say it again. Now, if he doesn't bless, is there any tithes to pay? No, he has not blessed. If there's no blessing, there's nothing that we return to him that belongs to him. It is 10% of the increase. Everybody say 10% of the increase. This is why he can say, listen, bring the tithe and prove me. Let me show you how real I am. I will bring increase. Everybody say, he brings increase. Say it again. Now, when you have done the increase, you set it apart. Everybody say, set it apart. Leviticus 27 verse 3 says, Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27, 32. It shall be holy to the Lord. From the time Shasha was a little girl, whenever she'd get her allowance, I'd say, now, Shasha, what do you do? Separate my tithe. Yep, you separate the tithe that belongs to God. If I gave you 10,000 pesos and said, would you hold this for me and give it to me next week? Would you mix that money with your money? Would you mix it? No, because if you mix it, what will happen? You'll spend it, and then you'll feel bad. In the same way, I don't mix God's money with my money. I've done an accounting, and now I separate it as holy. It is separated as holy to God. Everybody say, set apart as holy. Holy literally means set apart. Now, after you set it apart, then you bring it. Everybody say, bring. Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithes into the storehouse. Now, there are things that you should never do with the tithe. You do not ever send the tithe to God. He didn't say, send me your tithe. He's not a bill collector. He doesn't say, write 30 post-dated checks in advance on your hoped-for tithe. You know, people say, you know, if you're believing God for a blessing, send the post-dated checks in advance. Don't you ever do that. God said the tithe is done after the accounting. Everybody say, after the accounting. And then he doesn't say, send me the money. You owe me money. No, he said, you bring the tithe. He doesn't say, send it by direct debit. He doesn't say, you know, set up a, a, a fund transfer. He doesn't say, have an automatic debit on your, your bank account. He doesn't say, send it by credit card. He said, bring. You see, God doesn't care about your money. This is all about relationship. Everything about tithe is relationship principles. Did you hear what I just said? Everybody say relationship principle. He has blessed you. Now, you bring what belongs to him and show respect. Everybody say bring it personally. You bring and show respect to God. Now, I, you, we, we've had businessmen all through the year. Pastor, would you come by and collect my tithe? No. I'm not a tithe collector. I know churches in our own city and across the country that if you don't show up on Sunday with the tithe, they show up on Monday to collect from you. I know churches that if you don't show up with your tithe on Sunday, the connect group leader comes to visit you on Monday. Where's your tithe? I will never do that. This is between you and God. 
God commands you to bring the tithe. Everybody say, God commands me to bring the tithe. I don't do these bank transfers. Now, yes, we did earlier this year set up this thing so that some of our overseas Pinoys could help us with feeding programs and things like that and do their tours and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I've always told you, you, you don't give by credit card. You don't give by debt. You don't give by post-dated checks. As God has blessed you, you do the accounting and you bring the tithe. Everybody say, bring. Everybody say, bring. bring. Secondly, Bring the full or the whole tithe. Now, the full or whole there shows consistency and completeness. If you want to prove God, don't rob from him every other week. Well, I'll tithe this week, but I won't tithe next week. I'll tithe in the first and third weeks, but I won't tithe in the second and the fourth weeks. Bring the full and the whole tithe consistency. Everybody say consistency. Say it again. Just consistently and completely, here is the tithe. Everybody say, consistent and complete. Now, it's really easy to be consistent and complete when we have nothing. When your salary is 18000 a month and your tithe is 1800 a month, it's very easy to bring the whole tithe. When your salary is 180000 a month, and you're writing a check for 18000 a month, you start thinking, that's a lot of money. It's not about the money. It's about the blessing. I didn't hear you. Now, I tell you what I've watched. I've watched this so many times in my life, and it always hurts. You'll watch a young person be a tither when it's just their, their pocket money, and they're giving... They get 100 pesos, well, they used to get 100, now it's about 200, but it used to be they get 100 pesos a day for their pocket money, and they would start tithing on their pocket money, 10 pesos a day. And that's hard. But 10 pesos, they would do it. When they got their first job, they would be getting much higher paying jobs than other people that graduated with them. They were tithers. God blessed them. Now all of a sudden they're making money, 25, 30, 35,000. Not a problem, they're a consistent tither. Then they start making 75, 80, 100,000. All of a sudden, they, I'm going to only put in half of this now. And all of a sudden, everything begins to go down. And they say, Pastor, what happened? I said, how's your tithing? Well, you know, Pastor, it got to be so much. And, you know, I wanted to buy the house. And so I decided I'd take a portion of the, ha portion of the tithe and use it as the house payment. And I said, don't touch what belongs to God. Are we still here? bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, the storehouse there in Malachi 3.10 refers to the place where you receive your spiritual food. Remember, the purpose is to provide enough spiritual leadership to take care of you. My favorite story is the Benny Hinn story. This lady came right down this aisle, and after service, as I'm leaving the service, we weren't running in between auditoriums then and, and campuses, she said, Pastor Summerall, I want you to know that I'm going to be coming to COP. I said, well, thank you. We'd love to have you. Let us know how we can serve you. But my tithe belongs to Benny Hinn. Well, what am I supposed to say? Whatever. You know, just kept walking. A few weeks later, she calls me on the phone. 
don't ask me how she, well, I think I know how she got my phone number from the Benny Hinn office. She calls me on the phone and said, Pastor Summerall, I'm in the hospital. Can you come and pray for me? I said, call Benny. She said, Benny can't come. I said, sure, he can come. I know where he is right now. He's in Singapore. He owns his own jet. He can be here in four hours, no sweat. Call Benny. Let me give you his phone number. I have his phone number. Let me give you his number. She said, Benny can't come. I said, yes, he can. If Benny wanted to be here, he could be here in four hours, no problem. She said, but Benny won't come. I said, that now you got the point. Now, did I go pray for her? Of course I did. But I had a little fun first. Now, after she got out of the hospital, she came to the service one day. She said, Pastor Summerall, I want you to know that I understand the principle of the tithe is to make sure there's always people able to care for me and teach me and pray for me and visit me. Pastor, my tithe belongs in the storehouse. I said, now you got it. See, the purpose of the tithe is not about raising money. It's about taking care of you. Everybody say, taking care of us. Say it again, please. Now, I've never criticized you, and I've never told you not to give offerings to guest speakers. I've never told you not to give offerings to television preachers. I've never gotten my nose in your business, okay? That's, I'm your pastor. It's not my job to go around and tell you where to put your money. That, that's not my business. My name's not Jesus. But I've always told you your tithe belongs in COP. How many people? You're part of COP. Would you put your hand up high? This is home. Okay. Then your tithe belongs here so that all of you can be taken care of. And we have enough pastors to teach you and train you and work with you and visit you and do the hospital visits and do the funerals and do the weddings and do the baby dedications and do all the things that we need to do taking care of you. That is why God takes the tithe that belongs to him and gives it to the ministry so that we can take care of you. This is how tithing is done. Did you learn something today? Now, ushers, I'd like you to pass out the tithing vow. I don't believe I got through it all that fast. That is a miracle. Now, as they're passing that out, let me show you a simple application. I teach this to pastors. How do people that work in church prosper? If we don't have sidelines and we aren't doing businesses and stuff like that. Well, you know, Paul was a tent maker for about two or three months, and that was it. While he started the church in Corinth. When support came, he gave himself full time to the ministry. I teach pastors, if we will pour ourselves into developing the spiritual life of God's people. Everybody say, pour yourself into building the spiritual life of the people. Now, as the people's spiritual life grows, and they draw close to God, and God blesses the work of their hands, what happens to the tithe? It increases. You take a baby Christian, and you help them grow in God and draw close to God and you teach them the principles of, of God's blessings and God blesses the work of their hands, the tithe increases. Pastors do not prosper by doing business. 
We prosper by developing the people of God. Everybody say, build God's people. Again, this is not a business. Now, with all that said, can I have one of those cards, please? We designed a good card for you today. We do this once a year. Notice you can open the window of heaven. Cute. That was my idea. I don't have very many good ideas. Usually it's the, I, the, I, the other guys that come up with all this stuff. Cute idea. Open heaven. Now, well, I think they took my idea and made it a lot better, but open heaven. Now, this little piece comes off. You can just tear it right down. Every year at this time, we do a vow to be a tither. We call it the Jacob's vow. Everybody say Jacob's vow. Now, many of you, how many tithers are here, first of all? How many tithers here? Would you put your hand up? All the tithers stand up. Did I teach people the truth today? Does God bless you? All right, you can be seated. Now, some of you, you're not tithers. And I don't say this to condemn you because some of you have come from difficult situations and you've seen people and trying to take advantage of you and all kinds of stuff. And you know what? I really can't help how you've been treated in the past. I can tell you at COP, we want to take care of you in Jesus' name. I didn't hear you. I, I, can't, I can't help you with the past, but we can help you build a better future. If you are not a tither, I would challenge you. Will I attempt to prove God? Will I do a Jacob's vow? Now forgive me, I have a hard time, you notice when we were talking about Jacob the other couple weeks ago, because when Jacob made the vow, when he came back to the land of Israel, he said, God, who am I? When I crossed this river, all I had was my staff. Now I come back, I have two companies of people. God, I don't deserve a single one of the deeds of your awesome love. God has been good to us at COP. I didn't hear you. God has never let us down. I've watched family after family after family. I can walk around and point you out business people that never graduated college, never even went to college. But they were a tither. And like Jacob, they made a vow. God, of all that you bless me with, I will return to you a tithe. And I look at them now, and I just stand in amazement. When I was a young pastor, I have to tell you, I would weep when I would stand up and take an offering. I would go upstairs and cry, God, how can I ask these people to give money? We have no money, because I was just as poor as you were. But I realize I'm not God. God would bless you. And I've watched for 39 years the stories of the tithers in this church. God has blessed you. Now, I want to challenge a young generation. Will you make a Jacob's vow? Will you say, God, if you bless me, of all that you bless me with, I will return to you the tithe. 
That's the only thing we're asking. If God brings you no blessing, there is no tithe to bring. Everybody say, no blessing, no tithe. This isn't making a vow to give him any money. This is, if he doesn't bless, there is nothing. Are you willing to do as Malachi says? Are you willing to test the reality of God? Now, if you're here today, many of us, this is just doing it again. But for some of you, it's the first time. Now, don't test God and tithe today and then don't tithe for the next six weeks and then tithe once more time and then you get mad. You know, if you steal from God, you're stealing from God. But if you're willing to be a consistent, faithful tither of all that God blesses you with, I want you to fill out that little card, your name, your mobile number, your email. Say, Pastor Why, because you know I'm always trying to make sure the records are updated. And to be very honest, we're having fun with this Shelby on the transition, so we're really having to double-check our data. But nobody will ever call you and follow this up. This is just so that we can visit you. Everybody say, visit me. We visit every one of our members every 90 days. So name, mobile number, email, and this will go to my house and my prayer bench, and I lay hands on all the tithers every day in my devotions and pray for God's blessings upon your life. Now, the rest of the card, I know it's really big this year, Usually we have just a little one that you can keep in your, your wallet. But I'd like you to keep this big one inside your Bible. And I'd like you to keep it folded over so that you will always remember heaven is opened in my life. Everybody say, heaven is opened. Now, you can go get all the study on the blessings of that. It's online. You can go get all the study. We did that last night. God said, I will open the windows of heaven. Another translation, ESV says, I will open the treasuries of heaven and pour out blessings until there is no more need. All right. Would you put your tithe in the red envelope? Put your seed in the blue envelope? Fill out these cards. If you want to do this, nobody's making you do it. Nobody will ever follow you up. Nobody will ever check on you. This is a relationship thing. This is between you and God. And when you're ready... Here at Maine, south, east, north, when you're ready, come. Bring your tithe, your seed, and your vow to be a tither before the Lord.